Welcome to the Free Music Ed Podcast. My name's Steven. My name's Gannon. And today we are here with Luke McMillan of Luke McMillan Music. And uh, we're going to be talking about arranging for marching bands. And uh, we'll, we'll get him started right now. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, Luke? Sure. Uh, I have been teaching at Wiley High School in Abilene, Texas. Uh, this is my ninth year. Uh, I do the high school non-varsity band, the high school jazz band, and uh, assist with the 7th and 8th grade classes and uh, teach some beginner classes as well. Eight years ago, I started writing uh, music for marching bands, and ever since then, I guess the word's kind of gotten around, and I've, I've written more and more for, for more bands, so... Did, did you get started in the composition whenever you were in college, when you were in high school, or how did you start composing and arranging? I, I started writing just kind of for fun, like in you know seventh, eighth grade, I'd, I'd throw some little things together here and there, and when I was a senior in high school, I got Finale 98, and uh, I, I wrote, wrote some things, um, let's see, one of the arrangements, I, I originally applied to, as a composition major to the University of North Texas. In one of the submissions that I sent, uh, I wrote a jazz band arrangement of my high school fight song. And uh, it's actually, I think it's still in our book at Wiley, actually. Uh, but uh, I, I started doing that, and when I got into college, um, I wrote, I played in the basketball band, and I actually arranged quite a bit for the basketball band. And but I, I never took any formal uh, composing or arranging classes in college. I just I just kind of always did it for fun. And my I guess my first year at Wiley, uh, I, I asked if I could arrange our show going into the next year, and and I did. And I kind of I, I didn't have a clue as to what I was doing. I'd never written for marching band ever in my life, but I wrote our halftime show that that year and. Uh, you know, thanks to Mike Lunny, he he trusted me, and you know I wouldn't be where I am today if it weren't for him, because he said, "Yeah, sounds good." Um, and so I, I I wrote it, and uh, since I didn't know what I was doing, I showed it to a few teachers around the area, some college professors, and they said, "Man, this is pretty good." You know, would you mind? You know, I have people asking me so specifically, Dr. Chris Neal. Uh, Dr. Neal was at McMurray uh, for several years. Um, I showed it to him. He he uh, wrote drill and still writes drill for several schools in the area, and he said this is pretty good. I have some schools asking me about arrangers. Would you mind doing this for other schools? I said, yeah, I, I guess so. You know, so um, I, I started doing that, and word spread, and it just kind of took off from there. So that, that's great. When you were uh, when you were starting to arrange and compose, did you have any resources that you used? Did you uh, have any books that you read, or were you kind of just experimentally? Getting into arranging, like how, how what, what led you into arranging in that sense? Um, as far as like techniques, and stuff yeah, like just that? techniques. How how did you learn how to arrange? Um, you know, I I had I've played piano by ear ever since I was like in first grade, and I grew up in the Church of Christ, and we um, there's no instrumental music in the Church of Christ. I don't know if you've, you you right, guys have right, ever been to a yeah, Church of Christ service. Yeah. But um, the music is all we have hymnals. There's no words on the screen, you know, anything like that. It's all hymnals. And so, you know, being, you know, a really interested musician when I was a kid, I uh, I, I just remember 
you know, reading those, and I try to read the baseline, try to read the tenderline. Oh, okay, that's cool, you know. And so, um, like, I, I got pretty good at sight singing because of that, and, you know. And I got kind of court, good at like, you know, chord identification, and I would, you know, I, I got to where I could recognize intervals, and um, I, I guess just what got me into arranging is when I heard music, I was really interested as to, you know, what, what made that sound like that, you know. What, you know, okay, hold on, i got to go figure that out. What exactly was that, you know? And so I, um, you know, I, I would figure things out on the, on the piano, on the guitar, and I started to kind of realize, okay, that's a one chord, that's a six chord, that's a four chord, you know? And um, just kind of, kind of basically through that, and as far as the techniques, you know, I, I, I just, I made lots of mistakes when I first started out, and I just... I would show it to other arrangers, like, hey, what would you, how would you do this, you know, what, how would you change this, and, um, and still today, I, I still ask advice of arrangers, like, I'll call and say, okay, hold on, so if you're in 12-8 time, and you have, you know, you have the whole uh, measure filled with a note, and then an eighth note pickup at the very end, how would you write that, you know, like, I, 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 I'm still learning, you know, techniques, yeah, it's where, you know, probably somebody formally trained would, would have learned all that already, but, you know, I just, um, I, I listen to music a lot. I played music a lot, and and uh, that's just kind of how I got started. So, you know, I think some of those techniques too come better from experience than they would from a textbook or from you know something like that. Like, how am I going to write this pickup note? How is this going to be easy for people to read? Yeah, absolutely. Because like <clears throat> even playing professional jazz charts that I see sometimes, the beaming and, and the way that it's arranged just makes it impossible possible to read yeah. sometimes and these are professional transcribers and writers from yeah. you know the LA area New York yeah. area, and you still yeah. can't read it yeah yeah no <laughs> you know? kidding there, there was a, a a really great guy that was in town for a couple of years named Steve Morrow uh, he a good friend of Dr. Chris Neal's and he was the assistant at Abilene High for a couple of years Steve was a great arranger and he did lots of research into like getting into like kids heads like how would you how would you play this rhythm versus how would you play this you know and like would write it the same way you know as far as like uh, like an, an eighth note on the downbeat a quarter note on the upbeat then an eighth note you know versus eighth eighth tied to an eighth you know stuff like that you know mm-hmm. he did lots of study into like what's gonna what's gonna register in people's minds and you know I I, I think a lot along those lines too like you know s- some arrangers would hate me because I will sometimes blatantly misspell things because it's easier for a kid to read, you know, uh, if I'm, if I'm writing, uh, a show for a 1A band, I'm going to write a concert, uh, D flat, even if it's a concert B major chord and it's supposed to be, I'm sorry, a concert A major chord and it, it's supposed to, a C sharp is the third. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write as a D flat because a kid in a 1A school is going to know how to play a D flat. He, he might, he might play the wrong note for a C sharp or have to raise his hand or have to, you know, or might play the wrong note for six weeks before he's finally corrected, you know, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. So. And, and so that's based more on understanding how those technique books would teach, which note would they encounter first, a D flat or a C sharp? And if a C sharp is something they'd encounter much later, then a D flat would be more familiar. Pr- those pr- kind of things. Pr- pretty much. And not only technique books, but just like, you know, any kind of grade one and two literature, you know, you're going to see a lot more D flat, concert D flats, you will C sharps, you know. You're going to see a lot more uh, concert B naturals than you will concert C flats. Oh yeah. You're going to see a lot more concert E naturals than you will see concert F flats. You know stuff like that. You know, 
And, you know, like I said, some, you know, like real composers and arrangers would probably lynch me, you know, but I would much rather, like, my, 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 my goal is for it to be as rehearsable as possible, you know, uh, as far as along those lines, so. How many shows do you think you've written so far? Um, if I were to guess number of shows I've written, uh, compositions or arrangements. Um, either one. Total. Just, just shows for bands. Um, I bet somewhere in between 60 and 70, maybe. I would say I, I do about 10 a year from the ground up on the high side, so... Um, one one of the things I noticed whenever I went and looked at your website and was reading about the different stuff that you do, um, you have a pretty in-depth, frequently asked questions about copyrights and things. What do you think that band directors need to know whenever they're getting a show ready mm-hmm. um, about those different types of copyright issues? That's a great question. Um, first of all, when directors come to me and you know they're not really sure what they want to do for a show... I always try to push them towards an original composition, just because it's so much easier. Like, no, first of all, if you if you have something arranged, uh, unless it was written prior to January first, nineteen twenty three, which it means it's in the public domain, it's free free game. <clears throat> uh, you must seek permission from the publisher. Like some people say, well, you know, if if I'm if I'm not selling it, you know, it's, no 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 no. If you arrange something, you must get permission from the publisher before you do it. It's really pretty easy to do it. And this is kind of a cheat that I use. Hal Leonard has a really easy online form to go and fill out to request permission. If you go in, you put in your name, and I'll usually do it for the directors. I put in my name, the school's name, the director's name, how what the fee I'm charging, what the tune is, who the composer is, send it into Hal Leonard. They'll do one of two things. They'll send back to me, they'll send me a contract and say, okay, uh, we're happy to say we are, uh, uh, we'll be glad to grant third-party rights on this. 250 bucks per tune, send it to us by this date and everything's good. Or they'll say, uh, I'm sorry, uh, but we don't control the print rights of this. You're going to need to contact Alfred Publishing. Here's their number, here's their address. And they'll tell you who it is. See, in the old days, what took so long is going to researching all that. Okay, so I have to go on ASCAP or go on BMI, see who the publisher is. Okay, now I know who the publisher is, not to contact that publisher. See who administers their print rights, because that could be a totally different company. Yeah. And then contact that company. Some composers think that, okay, I'll get the rights, and then I can arrange this and sell it as many times as I want. That's not how publishing companies work it. Once you get permission, uh, your band can play and perform that for one marching season. That's it. <clears throat> if you do it again, then you have to pay it again. What What are the <clears throat> big advantages, though, to having your show written and arranged and going through all of these different types of concerns? I think the best thing is, is it can be custom-tailored for your band. I've written for some bands with some pretty like funky instrumentation. Like, man, my, my trumpets are really weak. Like, the only trumpets I'm going to have, I'm going to have, like, two okay freshmen and eight holders. But my low brass is, like, awesome. I need you to write two separate trombone parts, a unique baritone part, and a really hard tuba part. You're not going to find that on the shelf somewhere, you know? Like, that's going to be a custom arrangement. That's the exact you know? opposite. Yeah. So, but, but even just, you know, if it's not that weird. Like, uh, my trumpets are great. Uh, they've got up to about an A. 
my you know my flutes are a little bit weak. Got a great alto sax solo, so I'm gonna definitely need an alto sax solo. You know, it's like totally custom tailored to your group. You know, which is anytime you get a chance to show off your strengths and hide your weaknesses, that's I mean that's best case scenario. Okay, well, so you're you're saying that one of the big advantages is that you can fit into um, specific instrumentations, which for a small school, especially one A two A schools, that's always an issue. Every single year, they have a totally different instrumentation. And picking out stock arrangements, even if they do, they're going to have to modify it. Is that something that you do? Like modify? I guess you really can't. Can't? Or can you? Uh, are you modify, talking about? Like, they do a stock arrangement of you know some tune, and then they can send it to you to kind of get it fixed up a little bit to fit their needs. I mean, I guess there's a copyright thing involved. There is, and that's uh, that's kind of on a different level, but it's usually the same price uh, from the publisher. You still have to get the rights to do that to, to rearrange. It, yeah, it's a it's called a permission to adapt. Through it's what Hal Leonard calls it, oh. and I've done that several times. It's usually the same price, sometimes cheaper, but um, it it's it pretty much the exact same permissions as uh, as a permission to arrange. Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like this is one of those places where the technical laws can get a little bit muddled because I've heard that you can adapt to an extent so long as it's within the composer's and arranger's original intent. So, like, if you had a saxophone player play the second trumpet part and you just transposed it, that might be okay. But if you went in another direction and, you know, wanted to alter that part a little bit, that might not be okay. This is it's really muddy waters because, you know, like, when I get a permission to arrange, I'm, I'm assuming that that means arranging, like, on paper. Like, print out a piece of paper, this is what you're going to play, Right. Okay, so let's say you take your stock arrangement and let's say, okay, tuba's that low A flat, I want you to take that up an octave. Is that rearranging? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it, do, you, do you need to get permission for that from the publisher? Somewhere in between that and what I do, there's a line. So where's that line? You yeah, know? you throw the word intent. Oh, well, he intended this or intended that. <clears throat> you can't draw that line. It's yep. very big and gray. It, it, and also, you know, like, I, I've never done this before. But let's say I adapted something, but then, you know, somebody's like, hey, you adapted that. And then the director said, no, I, I just taught it to him by rote. Like, who's to prove that, you, you know, it's just really muddy waters that I'm really not sure. I would love to talk to a law, entertainment lawyer sometime that knows exactly where that line is because I encounter that line all the time. And I, I would much rather play it more safe. If I'm asked to do something, you know, I'll, I'll always lean towards it. Well, we should probably talk to the publisher about this, you know. Um, but there, yeah, there's a really muddy line somewhere in there. You said that one of the uh, things that you recommend when people talk to you about a show is recommending going with an original show that maybe has a theme but doesn't require any previous arrangements. What, what's the perfect client for you in that case? Do you want a director that comes to you and says, it's completely open, write me a show, it needs to be three movements long, and I want to be awesome? Or is it better for you to have a client that walks in and tells you, I'd like... A piece that's in seven, eight time, and you know, or, or something weird like that. What, what's minor. better? <laughs> well, with, with those with those blank canvas situations, I would always rather have as much information as the client from the client as possible. It seems like it'd be the other way around. Like I always like battle with myself. You know, if a client's like, tell you what, you just take it in whatever direction you want to go. You know, you'd think that that'd be the most ideal situation, but it's like you know, think of a painter with you know a huge white canvas and like, okay, go. You know. And not only that, like, there's some time constraints here. Like, you can't just spend a year on this. 
you've got several people that you've promised I will get you your halftime show by next Saturday. Yeah. You know, and so you can't just just screw around with this. Like you got to do it. You got to do it right now. So go. Yeah, on your right. Go, 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 go! Right now, go. Write it. Right. Think of a completely original piece of music right now. Go. <laughs> you know. So it, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, and you're writing for somebody who has musical taste and musical preferences that they're not telling you. You're, you're just trying to throw into the wind and just trying to guess what they may or may not like. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, absolutely. Their may be totally different than what you shoot for. <clears throat> yeah. So, yeah, you know, it, you asked me what, what the perfect client would be. You know, I my perfect client would be, okay, this is the theme we want to go with. You know, the first movie, we want to go with this theme. Like it to be around this tempo. Like, uh, like to have this kind of style. Uh, you know, after, you know, a couple minutes, we're like, you know, the, to transition to something like this, you know. Is is usually the easiest and well quickest for me. Do do you find and this is a question I've uh, I've thought about a lot. Do you find that those different type of strengths uh, either limit your creativity or do they expand it trying to work around them? Does that make any sense? Uh, the, you're talking about like uh, like limited instrumentation and ability. Limited type instrumentation things? or even just the requirements of oh I'd like it to be this tempo or I'd like it to be in this key. Yeah, or yeah. Those things. Do you feel that that it improves your composition by trying to work within those parameters, or do you feel like that's limiting? Tempo is sometimes limiting. Uh, key never is really, and I rarely have directors ask me to, to a specific key, but I, you know, I would never write a marching band show in concert C or you know, concert D flat. I wouldn't do that to my worst enemy, you know. <laughs> but you know, sometimes tempos can be because they're a really young band. You know, I if a direct, you know, and sometimes they won't even specify tempos. Sometimes I'll ask, but. You know, if they say, "Listen, we—I've we, got a really young, small band, mainly eighth and ninth graders. It's—it's it's, you know, we got about twenty-five kids. It's—it's—we're going to be really weak next year. You know, I mean, I'm going to stay between a hundred and hundred twenty. You know, and sometimes I'll sit down at the piano, like, okay, I have a theme in mind. Okay, I'll play something. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll like this. This kind of fits with his style, the the, the theme. I kind of like this. And I was, oh, hold on, wait a second. I'll start a met, and it's like nowhere close. I'm like. Oh, you know, yeah. so I kind of have to regroup a little bit and and um, and start over. Uh, I, I I will say it's it's definitely really you know fun to write. You know, I've been writing for more and more five A's lately, and it's really fun just to you know whatever you think of. You know, oh sure I can put that in, in the mail phone line. Yeah, they they can play. Yeah, they they've got an A. You know, yeah, yeah I, I can do that. You know, so from from my standpoint, I always find it really fascinating. Um, the 1A and 2A literature in particular, it's really hard to find stuff that's both musically interesting and not too challenging for the band. And it just doesn't, you know, steamroll them over in, in difficulty. And it seems like the last, I don't know, five or six years, that problem's been getting better. Composers have been getting more creative in how they write musically while still keeping the music playable. How do you deal with that as a writer? Great question. Basically, um, okay, so I, I, I was waiting to interject this reference, but uh, my dad, like I was telling you last weekend, my dad is, or was when I was a kid, a livestock trader, and he always had lots of cattle, and not really, not really horses, but... Kind of like a marching band. Uh, basically. <laughs> so he always had cattle, and he would, you know, we would, uh, oftentimes I would have to help him, and we would, you know, herd the cattle into specific locations... To certain gates or places or whatever, and and there would be times where you know I I would you want to go over here and he 
you know, he might, you know, step over to the side, but, you know, and even though you weren't there, a, a cattle went in a specific direction, and he'd be like, Dad, how'd you, you know, how'd you know it's going to go over there? And he'd be like, and he would say, you just, just got to think like they think. So, and my dad would say that several times, like, you know, it's easy, you just got to think like they think. And that has made such a big impact on me, you know, yeah, yeah. as far as, you know, I, I try to imagine, okay, if I'm a, you know, some of these small school events have seventh graders marching, right? Yeah. If I'm a 12-year-old kid playing this music, you know, what, how, how am I going to play this rhythm? You know, that rhythm might be a little bit tricky. It might take some time. So I'll write this rhythm instead. I'll actually, you know what, I'll tie that over because if I just made that an eighth note, you know, they might play that as, as this, you know. So basically, uh, just thinking like they think. So I, I guess your question was, how do you make things sound interesting while still making the ability level like within the grasp of, you know, like a, like a smaller school? Yeah, that, that was your question. Like, without sounding like hot cross bones all the time. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just basically the, the way you write rhythms, you know, like always writing like a staccato quarter note as opposed to an eighth note with an eighth rest after it, you know, yeah. something like that. Um, like if you have a rhythm like bump, 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 you know, I'll always write that, you know, staccato quarter, eighth rest, eighth note, quarter note, staccato quarter. Because if you saw eighth, eighth rest, eighth rest, eighth, eighth rest, eighth rest, eighth, eighth rest, you know, they aren't going to get there as, as quick as they'll get there with, with the dotted, dotted quarter, you know, right, staccato right. quarter example. Yeah. But basically that, you know, just, just trying to, trying to not write any traps, you know. You hear about directors, you know, sight reading especially. It's like, oh, there's, that's really trappy. There's tons of traps, you know. Just uh, eliminating pretty much all, all, all traps. I'll usually, will go through, you know, composers and arrangers will lots of times think pretty much all vertically, when they're writing a score, you know, this chord line up, okay, here. But when I'm editing parts at the end, pretty much with any halftime show I do, I'll go through, I'll pick something, okay, I'll pick the alto part and just go through and read the alto part. And I'll be like, that that rhythm's a little bit tricky. I, I don't know, I, I'll, I might go and change that, you know, simplify it a little bit, you know. Or uh, there's a really repetitive rhythm, but then it skips down to the next line and it changes. That might be a little bit confusing. I'll give them a couple more measures when they when their eyes skip down to the next line. I'll give them a couple more measures of repeating that rhythm before it changes. You know, like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, trying trying to think more horizontally, um, and just thinking like uh, any young kid would think. Okay, so I I know that you've gone to some of the uh, the band contests where bands have been playing your arrangements and things. So what's that like to arrange the piece of music for the bands to go off and practice it to put their their drill along with it, and then for you to come in and see the finished product. Has that been a positive experience mostly, or is it terrifying? It's always great. It is always so cool. You know, one of the weirdest things that happened um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was, okay, so I, I wrote a show called Teamwork for a friend of mine in college named Bobby Miles. He was at Edna High School uh, at the time. He, he's still at Edna. He's a principal now, though. But he wanted a show written for his band, so I wrote this show called Teamwork. A couple of weeks ago, I was watching their performance from when they won the area marching contest, and they'd gotten a two in region the year before, by the way, they, where they won the area marching contest. And I was watching on my computer screen. I was really thinking, hold on, this is so weird. This is the exact same computer screen that I started this show that I'm hearing. Like, it was, it was a YouTube video of them marching and playing. This is the exact same computer screen 
that I very first opened up this document called Teamwork. And it was a huge score blank with no no notes on it. Yeah. And I eventually finished putting in every single note of the show that I'm now watching on the same screen, but I'm watching on YouTube and I'm watching this band march it, you know. <laughs> and that, that that experience was like, whoa, that that's so weird, you know. But it, it's always a great experience. I always love hearing my music in, uh, in person. And it's, you know, it's just, just totally brings a new perspective on it. You know, whenever I'm, you know, might be under stress, you know, because I've got, you know, okay, it's, it's Tuesday and I've got, I've got this many more halftime shows to get out by this Friday. Okay, what should, what should, I, what should I write next? You know, I, I'd like to think that I never let time, you know, really, um, like, make me put something... Uh, out that I I wouldn't I don't like you know I, I I never write anything I don't like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just throw something out there I always have to like totally back it and be happy with it before I before I send it sometimes you're kind of under the stress of oh you know I gotta get this out okay it's done okay cool send it you know and then I'll move on to the next halftime show never never think about this one but then you go to a marching contest and you realize God these kids have worked three months on this you know and these these directors have poured their their whole you know weekends and and you know they've thought about this when they go home and they've talked to their wives about this and you know this is just it's, it's such a big deal and it totally puts in a new perspective when i hear it in person it's like man you know th- this halftime show that i wrote you know th- this this is all that they know in band for this whole semester you know what, what what do the kids come say to you you know the kids who've been playing the shows you wrote whenever they meet you i i, I imagine you've got to have the most interesting comments about the second trombone part for instance <laughs> The kid just goes up and slaps you. No, I, I've never had that, luckily, although I, I definitely deserve it. Uh, you know, n- normally it's just kind of, uh, it's pretty simple, like, hey, I, I enjoyed your music, you know, thanks for writing it for us, you know, stuff like that. You know, I don't know if you remember when you were a teenager, it was always awkward talking to adults, you know. Right. So I, I think it's kind of the same way, you know, I, I think, I, you know, I, what's funny is I think, okay, so... When I went and saw Edna High School when they made it to the state marching contest, and um, uh, I he wanted me to come in the parking lot and surprise them in warm up, right? And so like I get out of my car, I go and he has them all huddled up, and he's like, you know, he just kind of gives me like a the little pointer finger, like oh, hold on a second, you know, he has them all huddled up, and so I'm just kind of standing behind the kids, and and he's like, all right, guys, you got this, you know, we're, we're here, we're doing this. Now, I, I brought in somebody to, to, to give you guys, you know, some comments. Here's Luke McMillan. He's right here. Bring him on. And the kid's like, whoa, yeah, yeah. And I heard a kid say, I, I thought he was going to be older. Like, you know, <laughs> I, like I, I think it's funny. Like, you know, kids think, you know, all, like all the composers are supposed to be like dead. You know, yeah. like. Everybody like, looks like Beethoven. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like he doesn't have the wig on, you know. Like, yeah. I, I, I think they expect, you know, all composers to have written this music in the 1600s. You know, they don't expect like, oh, this is a normal guy, you know. I, I thought you'd be older too. Oh, Whenever okay. I heard you were, yeah, I, I, I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It was good. What, what sort of um, specific influences do you have as a composer like? You know, as as a musician, we're always a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We're always a whole of the sum of our parts. You know, like everything that we hear always comes into our brain and then makes us the musician that we are. What comes out of us is what goes into us. You know, so that has to exist for you. You know, do you know what those things are? Do you have people in your brains like, oh yeah, I really like this composer. I try and do what this guy does. You know, every summer my halftime shows have a little bit of what I'm currently listening to at the time 
Like I can point you back to the halftime shows that uh, when we went to New York City and we saw Wicked on Broadway and we, we fell in love with that soundtrack. And, and I, can, I can show the halftime shows that, okay, hear that? that that's totally ripped off from, from the, the, Wicked, <laughs> the Wicked soundtrack. And then I think before that, uh, the same guy was involved in, what was, what was that movie that we saw at Paramount? Uh, Enchanted. Uh, the Enchanted soundtrack. It, it was one of the same composers. What's interesting now is I've been listening to a lot of electronic music lately, uh, like dance music and stuff like that. And I'm really terrified and just really interested as to where this summer's music in what direction it's going to go because I've just been like and I've been listening to this electronic music and I've never been so passionate about music that I'm listening to like like the music that I'm listening to just like takes over like your whole like just you know everything it's just it's so cool and you know I I don't listen to a whole lot of band music at all especially don't listen to a lot of marching band music I think if I listen to marching band music I'll you know start to sound like the other guys and I, I like to keep that unique sound yeah so I. <laughs> Sorry. No. Everything just... all right? No, we're we're all good. I was but hoping we... there was like Sorry. a cat on cat we, on our no, life or something. We, we, we were all making faces. So. Yeah, for, I know. For those of you listening at home, that's <laughs> so you know, that's why you know one of those nerves. Band director nerves that just goes driving down the road and pops the CD in his car. Here's another great one by <laughs> Tom Levaney. Another hot tune that your t- tubas are particularly gonna like for their rhythms and. <laughs> The time yeah. is the University of Michigan playing the songs. Yeah, no, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't do a whole lot of that. Those are but, great uh, CDs. Yeah, Stephen is nerdy enough. To be nice. Oh, good. I yeah. don't. I don't. Oh, okay, so now I see what the looks are going. So, so you really do listen to that kind of music. I don't. No, I, 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 uh, I have the Reader's Digest big band series that goes by year. So, like, here's all the top big band charts from 1943. So that's my week. Nice. You know, then, then I go to 1943 Part B. Yeah, so yeah. Bad. yeah. <laughs> my my wife makes fun of me every day, every day. Um, but yeah, and and there were times where I can point you to some some of my shows. I was listening to like really contemporary jazz stuff, like brand new, like really new jazz stuff, and just just the the weirdest influences, you know. But, you know, at the same time, keeping in mind, you know, this needs to be playable, this needs to be enjoyable, this needs to, you know, the judge need to like it, you know, stuff like that. So a couple of years ago, when we took our Wiley band, I guess it would have been 2010, to the state marching contest, I thought I was writing pretty contemporary music. But I got down there and, you know, listen to finals, I realized, like, I'm not even close. Like, this isn't even close to what they're playing. You know, there's lots of woodwinds, stuff like that. And so this time, I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really beef up the woodwinds. And I thought I'd written, you know, for lots of woodwinds. On our comment sheets, the judges, one judge said, the woodwinds sound great, but I'd like to hear a whole lot more of them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, you realize, you know, it's pretty much, like, half and half brass and woodwinds, what you're hearing. Like, there's lots of woodwind stuff going on, you know? And, and so music's definitely evolving that way. And, um, you know, like I said, I don't listen to a whole lot of marching band music. I, I like to, you know, pretty much the only marching band music I listen to besides my own is I like to go to the state marching contest every year and say, okay, what, what's going on, you know? Because I always ask my directors... What's your goal? What's your goal next year? What are you trying to do? You know, what what would you like to accomplish with your halftime show? Sometimes they say, you know, we've never made a one. We just want to make a one. Sometimes they'll say, you know what? We we don't care what the rating is. We I want the kids to have fun. This is my second year. You know, I just want the kids to have a blast. 
some people say, I, I want the community to really just love the halftime show. You know, the director before kind of played some hoity-toity stuff and nobody really got it. I just want the community to really be behind it. Some directors say, I want to win the area marching contest. Some directors say, I want to win the state marching contest. You know, it just always depends on what their goal is as far as which direction you want to push. So, Well, uh, we've really enjoyed having you here with us. This has been a whole lot of fun. And by here with us, I mean, we appreciate you inviting us. <laughs> Into your home with your family Thank you. nearby, and uh, we, we've had a, a wonderful time, so we really appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you. My yeah. pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. You guys have a good day, and keep practicing. Free music at Dover.